Hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Primates with Reptiles podcast. I'm Raph the Hominid, I'm your host, and I'm joined today by Petunia, the Western Hognose Snake. Originally, this episode... Originally, this episode was going to be all about why I love reptiles and why you should too. But then I thought about it, right? Because uh, that would have been kind of stupid. Because if you're clicking on a podcast called Primates with Reptiles, you probably already enjoy them. So I needed to make this podcast an episode for us, right? The the reptile keepers. And I mean, this show's for anybody. I mean, anybody that cares to listen. But instead of going about it that way and it falling kind of, you know, preaching to the choir, I thought, why not make an episode talking about kind of our experience as reptile keepers and how some people, I don't get it, some people really don't like these. Some people really think reptiles are these evil creatures that are here to do harm. You know, some I have people down in my reptile room sometimes, right? And uh, hearing jokes, constant jokes about uh, killing my family, my little scale family, you know? And, and maybe I'm kind of ridiculous for saying that, but in a way, these are like my adopted children, okay? Uh, they didn't ask to be here, but um, they exist, and I'm giving them I'm giving them a home and and care and and I'm doing my best to keep them maybe happy. Again, we talked about the reptile brain in the last episode, but you know, hopefully they're happy. I'm not sure if they are, but I hope we can do things at least to better our reptiles' experience in captivity. So yeah, these jokes and. You know, I'm a very proud cat dad as well. I have two cats, and I love them very much. But the same people would never make jokes like that about my cats. And and I love mammal pets. You know, I can't wait to have more time on my hands and get myself a dog. On this episode, we're going to talk about talking points, really, for you to bring up if you're having that experience, right? If you're like I am sometimes in public when people don't, care to know about my reptiles but I'm kind of just spouting at the mouth because I love them so much and the cool things they did and oh here's a video of my milk snake eating a mouse or you know here's my hognose snake coming out of the dirt wearing a little dirt hat and you might do that too and people might give you a funny look so this is going to be I mean I don't know how comprehensive this is going to be this is just a, a guy talking okay a monkey talking to get us to that point where we can tell people why we love reptiles and stuff like that. I think it's important to know where the distaste comes from, okay? Like, for example, people that want to kill my reptiles, but then love my cats. I think it probably has something to do with familiarity, right? Um, Number one, dogs and cats have obviously been human pets for a long time, you know, a very long time, a lot longer than people have probably been keeping reptiles as pets. Even aside from the fact that we've kept them so long in captivity, talking about dogs and cats, there is a there is a familiarity in the fact that we're mammals. You know, we understand the mammalian metabolism a lot better than reptiles. And I mean, that's kind of controversial too. You know, what do we know really about what we should be eating? Because I don't think, at least in America, right? I think that we have a distorted view on 
metabolism and how often we should eat because of things like, you know, high processed sugar, real starchy foods. I mean, you know, I'm no doctor. I'm doing the carnivore diet. I'm about two weeks in now. I feel great. Everybody's different though. I'm not saying it's, it's for everybody or everybody should do it. My point being, we probably have a distorted view on our metabolism ourselves because when you're constantly shoving sugar in your face, your body constantly wants more sugar. So I'm not saying you shouldn't eat carbs, but we should be mindful of the fact that creatures can, can eat in many different ways. And that's something that we struggle with because, you know, in the morning and the night, right? You feed your dog or your cat, maybe, I don't know. I don't know, what do you do with your dog or cat? Let me know in the comments. But it's very different, you know, when I tell you Petunia eats once a week and she could eat less than that, you know? And that's, I think that's strange to people, just that fact alone. And of course, it's not only the metabolism, it's the behavior, you know? You can look into a dog or a cat's eyes and start at least to know what they're thinking. Petunia is going in my sleeve. But you can start to know what they're thinking just by looking in their eyes. It's a little bit harder with reptiles, right? You need the rest of the body language. Uh, you can understand at least basic emotions your reptiles expressing, but it, it's it's a lot of body language, more than a simple look into a dog's eyes. You can kind of tell if it's sad, if it's excited, if it's happy, if it's angry. So I think that that is where reptiles lose some points in, in some of these people's minds because it's just hard to understand and... We don't like things that we don't understand, you know? Um, we other people all the time, right? We pick teams, we pick sides, and most people would be team mammal. My issue with that, and here's something that you could say to people who don't like reptiles, so we're all team biological life, you know? Outside of that, we're all team animal kingdom, okay? And if you go back further than that, we're all mushrooms because that's our earliest known ancestor is a tiny little fossilized mushroom. And that became eventually all of biology. Not that it became, you know, that's not exactly how evolution works. That was a bad way to word it. I'm clearly just this media mogul that, that is uh, so, so great on camera. But, um, you know, eventually those mushrooms diversified and, and became us. So we're all really fungus. I'm fungus. Petunia is fungus. Ooh, my cats are fungus. So, I mean, that's kind of an abstract idea. I don't know if you're going to get people to understand that. I I push it. I push it a lot. You know, I'm, I'm always talking. But that doesn't change the fact that some people still don't like these guys. Outside of the familiarity aspect, okay, because a lot of people have probably never even seen a Plains Hognose snake. Outside of that familiarity aspect, and on, on the topic of being all on one team, these guys are critical to ecosystems, right? And taking out a lot of pests that people who even claim to be animal lovers don't want to deal with themselves, maybe, because maybe they do really love animals, but uh, also they don't want their house, like things like mice and stuff. These guys are tearing up small rodents on in the plains regions. And that's, I mean kind of sums up what reptiles do, right? They control the, the smaller ecosystem within the larger ecosystem, eating a whole lot of things like bugs and stuff like that, most species anyway.
But outside of that, outside of the fact that we're all on one team, because I feel like that's lost on a lot of people, okay? Which is, I mean, it's ridiculous to me. Especially just people, right? You'd think people could get along. We're all people, you know? Let alone a little scaly dragon like Petunia here. But there are also just a ton of misconceptions that everyone seems to have. You know, people see a snake automatically, like, oh, it's venomous. If it's going to bite, you know, if it bites you, you're done. It's crazy, you know. I'm fairly confident. I guess I should have looked this up, but whatever. I'm fairly confident most snakes are not, yeah, no, for sure. Most snakes are not venomous. That doesn't mean go grabbing at any snake you see in the wild, especially if you're not aware if it's venomous or not. But um, there's this idea that snakes are automatically deadly. And that is, it's just wrong. And it's sad that that proliferated humanity. Because um, they're really interesting little things that are really just scared of everything. That's what snakes come out to be, is just nervous little Nellies. But there's also things like, okay, the word python, okay? Python automatically gets 45 feet long, and it's going to eat you. And boa, too, the word boa, people freak out. But um, these are families of snakes. A family? I don't know what level of taxonomy. But anyway, so, so pythons and boas are groups of snakes. These groups containing species that get smaller than petunia or stay smaller than petunia and do get very large too that that exists but uh it's like it's like the word python is a dirty word i swear i show people my ball pythons and it's like dude those things are gonna get so big they're gonna eat you one day and it's like yeah it's gonna get about four and a half five foot and it'll never eat me i promise so there are things like that too. Even things like snapping turtles, where or turtles in general, right? Where people will ask, the first thing they'll ask when you show them a turtle is, is it a snapping turtle? And there, there's a couple things wrong with that. Number one, there's only two extant species of snapping turtle, I'm pretty sure. The alligator snapper and the common snapping turtle. There might be another one. But anyway, few turtles are snapping turtles. And it also implies that snapping turtles, because they have very strong jaws, are automatically uh, malicious creatures. You know, it's like, oh, why you, we don't have a snapping turtle. You know, what's the big deal to have a snapping turtle? I mean, it's it's they get big, so it's a big responsibility. So I'm not saying go get a snapping turtle willy nilly, but it's just a turtle. You know, it's like I said, it's part of team life. You know, we're all on the same planet. But, I mean, let's get away from the specific reasons why people might not enjoy reptiles, and we'll get to talking about all the amazing things about reptiles. Number one is it has to be just the beauty and diversity of reptiles, especially when you include birds, which I am because birds are reptiles. <laughs> but uh, speaking more to the squamates and turtles and crocodilians, you know, because most people think of birds as their own thing. The the colors, the the body types and everything like that. Like, you look at... People are kind of boring, right? I mean, apes in general, as far as, like, how they look, are pretty boring. You know? And ranging from, like, pale to, to a darker brown when, you, you know, things like 
gorillas and, and orangutans and stuff like that. But it's all very just, we're all pretty earth tone. And I mean, we're shaped pretty cool, I guess, because we started standing up on two legs. But the diversity of the reptiles is, it's just incredible. Petunia and some other snakes have these keeled scales that are literally look and feel like dragon scales, and that exists in nature. You know, people, sure, dragons might have been real. I don't know, man. A lot of people from all around the world tell the same story about dragons. They could have been real at some point, but uh, we got them. We got them now, you know. And this is a little, a little serpentine dragon here in my hand, and it's incredible. You know, and just the things that they can't come up with to interact with their environment and to be successful through natural selection and stuff like that. Petunia has a shovel on her face. She's got, that's why she's called a hognose face or a hognose face, hognose snake, pig face snake. She's got a shovel on her head because she likes to burrow into other animals' burrows or, or, or find toads and things like that that are hidden underground. And her body, without the use of arms or, go dig a hole in your, with your face. Hmm? Go dig a hole with your face and find something. I dare you. I bet you can't, okay? And, I mean, this is just one example of a small species that is common in captivity. You get to things like crocodilians, which survive through ice ages, all right? They have the ability to shut their bodies down. And talk about dragons. I mean, just look at a crocodile and tell me that that's not a dragon. Water dragon. But the colors you see on reptiles and the, you know, even naturally occurring reptiles, I'm not talking about uh, all this crazy morph breeding, the colors you see on them, chameleons can literally change color. They can't blend in like everybody thinks, but, uh, you know, the beauty that these animals possess is absolutely ridiculous for all different reasons. Uh, defensive displays, right? mimicry my milk snake looks like a coral snake so things don't try to eat it but it's not venomous at all and, and it can't do anything but it, it'll it'll make it look like it can you know what i'm saying you know i'm willing to bet uh most people if they had only seen mammals and then they get a look at pretty much any reptile it's like okay well we found life on mars or something you know what i mean i mean these things are so alien uh foreign to us that and we just take it for granted and that really bugs me because you don't need to keep a room full of reptiles you don't even need to keep one but we should have appreciation for how incredible these things are i mentioned i probably mentioned this in a recent episode i think i don't know i've been locked in a cage and got hit in the head in front of people and wrestling i get dumped on my head a lot but giraffes man all right, and that is a mammal. But think about how we take that for granted. The fact that giraffes exist. Like this thing just, it just grew and it grew a neck and it grew some more neck. You know what I'm saying? It's got little antennae on top of its head. Sure, they're horns. They're not really, I don't think they're taking in any signals. But you you know, you take a look at some animals in general, let alone reptiles. And it's it's incredible that we take it for granted so much. I mean, you probably have to at some point, right? Or else, like, everyone would just be sitting, like, looking at pictures of giraffes and stuff and be like, what is going on? So you kind of have to compartmentalize, you know, and kind of just shove that to the back of your head. But you shouldn't lose the appreciation for when it's brought to your attention. 
And that's what people don't appreciate reptiles. Many, many people don't appreciate reptiles anyway. I think that I, that's just wrong. So what are the benefits of, of, of interacting with reptiles? Well, I don't know all of them, but I'll tell you what I think. All right. These are little anxiety ridden creatures for the most part, you know, or at least out of the box. So these things come out of eggs. Some snakes give live birth and, and, and some lizards do as well. But these things come out of the box, let's say, tiny little versions of their tiny little selves anyway as adults. But they come out these tiny little versions and they immediately start traverse, traverse, traversing the earth and, and doing what they have to do to survive. And to do that, you have to be a little nervous. You have to be a little bit on edge. Maybe you can't, like we talked about in the last episode, maybe you can't develop such a big prefrontal cortex because you don't have the time to sit back and, and truly ponder things. You can think, but you can't really, you know, hey, what about this? You know, you don't have time for that because birds are swooping down since you're so nice and tiny little hot dog morsel and they rip you off the earth and then eat you, you know? So... I think it's important to understand that their brains are at work, but their brains have to work differently. You know, yours would too if you came out. I mean, we come out early because of the, our human pelvises. There's a whole there's a whole rabbit hole on this of how we uh, why we come out so helpless as little tiny babies. But but we would probably be just like this if we didn't have uh, strong parenting as mammals in general, I mean, you know, some people aren't great parents, but is as mammals, there's a lot of, of parenting that goes on. But if we didn't have any parenting, we'd probably interact with the world a lot like a reptile does. Uh, is it if, you know, people think it's just fight or flight or food or breeding. People think that those are like the four things. But there is more going on when you give them the opportunity to. So that's kind of what I'm getting at here. Reptiles can be very nervous and they can be nervous for handling, but the, not the, how rewarding it is to take an animal. When I met Petunia here, she would hiss every time anyone came near the enclosure or bite or thinking it's food. So since she was never interacted with, she never had the chance to learn that not everything's going to kill you and we're here, you know, to enjoy each other, hopefully, and let you get a glimpse of the, of what's going on. You know, she didn't have that. She would be bitey. She'd be super hissy, huffy, puffy, which hognose snakes do just as a defense. It's, it's all bluff, but she thought she needed to do that when I would try to interact with her because she thought that maybe she would die. But when you give the animal a chance to think, as you can see right now, Petunia, well, if you're watching on video, Petunia is flicking that tongue around, just taking in new smells and stuff like that. Very calm. This is not a tense animal right now, knowing that I am not going to do anything to hurt her. And that's really a rewarding experience. And I think, um, you know, I think a, little, a lot of little kids want dogs or things like that. And I mean, not super little, right? Don't give a four-year-old a pet reptile, probably. 
But, you know, young, young kids that love animals and they're like, oh, I want, like, my own pet dog and stuff. But a lot of this will come back on the parents because a dog is a lot of work. And plus, dogs having developed with us so closely into what they are now from wolves, you're not really getting a, a quote-unquote wild animal, you know? Which you can with a reptile, even if it was born in captivity. It doesn't know it was born in captivity. Um, it hasn't, we haven't had quite enough time to take what would be like, let's say if Petunia was a wolf and make it into a bunch of breeds of dogs. Like I said, there's morph breeding, but these animals are as they are in nature, you know, maybe not behaving that way in, in certain enclosures. And I'm not saying I'm completely innocent of this, but this is like, you know, if you go to the wild and you find a plains hognose snake, it might not be a xanthic and albino like Petunia. It might have brown in it, but it is, it's a hognose snake just like Petunia is a hognose snake. And I think, this, is, this, might, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think that the experience of, let's say, you know, let's make it like an 11-year-old kid, okay? If an 11-year-old kid got a hognose snake, which I think is reasonable enough as long as the parents are diligent, making sure everything's fine. That 11-year-old can have an experience with a biological life form that is very much unlike themselves, okay? Hear me out. I'm, get, I'm getting somewhere with this. A biological life form that's very much unlike themselves, and they can develop a relationship with it. You know, some sort of relationship... I'll go as far as to say a bond. I think there is some bonding. Again, maybe not like it won't jump in front of a, a of a something for you like a dog would. You know, dogs might defend their owners. I don't know if a reptile would defend their owners. But a bond does develop. And it's especially interesting when it goes from a little baby who many reptile babies are quite defensive because, you know, when you're the size of, of half a noodle, you get nervous, especially around giant people things. But this uh, this act of forming a bond with something that was at first quite nervous and you brought it around to being more friendly and, and a companion to you in, in some capacity, I think that could do a lot for humans in general. Because, like I said, we like to other each other. Like, oh, this is my group. You're in that group. I don't like you. It kind of goes automatically to that. Or at least, I don't like you, but I'm not going to waste my time interacting with you. Which is a big problem, because we lose a lot of perspective. You know, we can gain a lot of perspective from people who we don't even like. But they say, you know, maybe someone that says things that you don't like them saying could say a couple things that could better your life, you know? And that's something everybody, I struggle with it, you know? When I hear someone saying like, hey, I don't like reptiles, or hey, you should kill all your reptiles, I kind of want to avoid hearing what else they have to say. But that's not always, always good, you know? So if you take that little baby reptile and you don't like it, you know? it's Or it doesn't like you and it's mean and it's whatever, you don't get around to the experience of having a little hognose snake that can just hang out with you for, I don't know, probably an infinite amount of time. She really doesn't get nervous anymore. Uh, okay, 
she's using my hand as a, as a nice perch and I really like it. But the perspective, guys, the perspective of another biological being that's very different than yourself and you developing some sort of rapport with it is a skill. And it's a skill that I'm not great. I'm not perfect at at least. I mean, I'm probably not great at it either. I'm probably okay at it. But um, it's something that people don't think of as important because you can get stuck in an echo chamber where you just hear things that you like and from people that share ideas. And it's, you know, it causes problems because we don't learn as much as a species. We fight as a species. And that's us, you know, that's humans. So developing a bit of perspective is one very good, very healthy benefit of keeping reptiles. Now, and, and that's for any age. And so is this the next one, but I think it's something that's important. Like I want one day, if I have children, I want my children to understand this. Um, fear, fear really just comes from a lack of understanding. Because there are people that would like vomit watching me handle the snake because they're that nervous about snakes. And if they were in the room, even worse, you know, they might run out of the room. But with fear being mainly derived from things that we just don't understand, those are the scary things, right? I mean, even, even like, you know, in those creepy movies, you know, in like a scary movie, when there's like a, a person, maybe it's possessed or whatever, but it's, it's a person, and then it just starts moving, in these very unnatural ways and it just sends a shiver down your spine that's because we don't see that so we don't we're like i don't know what's happening to that thing that person whatever i don't know what's happening to it but i don't want any part of it because it's probably negative especially i mean in in the lens of a horror movie you know it's supposed to be scary but if you saw it on the street you'd still get that same shiver maybe worse down your spine and you know you're not in a horror movie and it could just be like a sick person or, or someone joking around with their friends even if they're doing just some weird stuff. Hey, they're weird people. It's fine. I'm weird, you know, you know, but, but it's this lack of understanding. Like, I don't know why that's happening. I don't like, it, you know, and uh, Clint's Reptiles, if you watch his YouTube channel, brought up a good point about like why masks are inherently creepy, like even an emotionless mask. Because you can't understand or you can't see, right? It's the unknown. You can't see what's going on behind that mask, right? Most of the time when you look at a person, as I said, with dogs and stuff, you can start to read what's going on just by looking at their face. You know, even before you get to body language and stuff, you can see a scared person. You can see a happy person. You can see an angry person. And... So, like I said, with the familiarity thing, since reptiles are so different than us, it can go to a place of fear. But there's an issue with that, because a lot of things are different from an individual in a lot of ways, and that can create fear. But we need, as, I mean, just, there's no reason to live in fear of, of each other or, or these things respect respect them because yeah you know 
if you see an awesome, if you're out in like Southeast Asia and you see this really cool king cobra and like, well, I'm not afraid of it. And you just run up to it and slap it on the back of the head because you want to be friends with it. Yeah, you might die. So a healthy respect, you know, tigers too, right? Everybody, people love tigers. That doesn't mean you go, you go hug them, you know, but fear is dangerous and it breeds conflict to what degree, you know, maybe people being scared of reptiles isn't going to start like world war three or anything like that. But the idea of, of fear, because what's what the problem with fear is people don't think that they can overcome it. You know, that's what, you just stop yourself right there. But if you're afraid of snakes, I'm not telling you to go get a snake, but if you were afraid of snakes and you came to our reptile room here, you could meet Petunia, who is a little delightful miniature snake. And, and you know, for a lot of people, very quickly start to realize that these aren't what they thought they were. And I think that's crucial because, you know, like there's an... So right now with uh, things happening over in uh, Europe with with Russia and Ukraine and things like that, um, you know, governments can be corrupt on on either on every side of that. I I'm not well versed in the conflict. I can't tell you exactly what happened, but, um, you know, and I was in Russia for a wrestling trip a couple of years ago and I tell people about that now and they're like, well, aren't they like. Aren't they crazy, like, evil people over in Russia? No. The vast majority of people are just people. You know, there are murderer people. There are people who do some thievery. There are people that slap people for no reason. All right? Or for making a joke about their wife, even though they're a comedian at a show where they're making fun of everybody. But there's this idea that comes from, like, lack of exposure. Right. So I'm I'm grateful to have the experience of being in Russia in 2018 before all of this, because, you know, I got to see something different. I got to see different cities and, and, and people that, you know, maybe behave differently than Americans and stuff um, and have different uh, like values and whatnot. But they're not bad people, you know. And I, I know that now, maybe I would have, if this went down and I had never been to Russia, maybe I would have felt like, you know, hey, all those people are bad, you know. But uh, you need to expose yourself to things that are fearful. And, you know, a way to do that that's a lot better than flying to Russia right now, currently, is uh, probably to hang out with reptiles, right? If you're, if you're nervous about them or if you know somebody that's nervous about reptiles, why not, uh, and obviously don't kidnap them and throw them in your reptile room, but, but work for that, that just exposure experience, because I've no, I know I was talking about people that come down here and make jokes about killing my animals, but I've had people come down here that are afraid of snakes, you know, admittedly, like I'm afraid of snakes, but I want to do this. And they come down here and they hold petunia or my corn snake. And they're like, it's like, they can't believe what's happening you know, and they're doing it. It's, um, it's that, that mind, oh, I was going to say eye opening, but the mind opening, you know, uh, the mind opening experience of, of doing something that you thought you couldn't do anymore. You know, I don't like heights. I don't like heights at all. I'm not a big heights guy. 
but at work I do, uh, I'm on a lift sometimes. I go up nice and high and I'm, I'm moving stuff. And the more I do it, the less I care that I'm a pot, you know? And this is like a, a cliche thing that everybody knows. You gotta face your fears to overcome them. And exposure therapy is, is a real thing. Well, if you have someone that, I mean, that you trust enough to bring into your home that is uh, completely anti-reptile, why don't you do, I was going to say do yourself a favor, do us reptile keepers as a whole a favor, but why don't you do that person a favor and see if they won't come to the reptile room and hang out with some of these animals for a little bit because as much, and I'm sure, hey, if you got a bunch of reptiles, you're probably spitting facts at people about these animals, right? I know I do. But, um, you know, so not only can you get these people that come down to your reptile room to learn something about the animal, but probably even learn something about themselves. And I don't know the best way to go about telling somebody, like, you will benefit from this, like, come, come enjoy them. Um, I don't know the best way to do that. But there has to be a way, you know. And why should it matter that some people don't understand or enjoy reptiles? You know, really it shouldn't. Uh, and, you know, I'm not telling you to force anybody to feel any kind of way because everyone's entitled to feel however they want to feel. But with that being said, you should wait to formulate an opinion till you have an understanding. And a lot of these lawmakers that are, are constantly putting the hobby hobby i mean sure let's just call it a hobby they're putting this idea of her pediculture keeping reptiles and things like them these lawmakers that are are pushing for this don't understand the animals you know and i feel like a lot of these issues of of worrying about you know animal programs being banned certain species being banned i feel like that can start to go away once uh people have a better understanding of these animals again you know not everyone has to keep them i mean it's it is what it is but you know i really do feel like the world would be a better place if literally every person can look at a reptile and go well that is just another piece of nature that i respect you know you don't have to love it but you, you we all should respect all living things and and I think that's about all I got to say on that, Petunia. What do you think? So since Petunia doesn't have anything else to add, I just want to thank you guys so much for making it this far once again. And Petunia thanks you as well for, for enjoying her for this period of time. New episodes of this, the Primates with Reptiles podcast, every week along with other videos too on our YouTube channel. So... Once again, I am Raph the Hominid. This is Petunia, the Western Hognose Snake. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.